Hello, friends. Welcome to this very special Notes with the Narrator. We have Evan and Patrick here today. Hey, that's Patrick. Hello, that's Evan. Hey, that's Evan and Patrick. Hey, it's me. Oh, hey. (laughs) What's up, guys? (laughs) And Gregory. Gregory's here, too. Hi, Greg. Hello. Lovely to have you, as always, Greg. A little hot for tea, sorry. (laughs) Unless you want iced tea. Iced tea. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Gregory. Yeah. No milk. I know. Can we do sugar, though? Like sweet tea? Nope. Oh, okay. Damn. I think we're out. We're out of a lot of stuff. I drink a lot of tea. I also drink a lot of tea. I have to restock the pantry. There's a lot of people here to give tea to now, apparently. There's at least 70 of you that I know that my analytics tell me. So hi, all 70 of you. My goodness. Howdy, friends. I'm glad I got extra chairs and cushions. Don't mind me as I wave at the camera, pretending that you can see this. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. Maybe one day we'll have a live stream where you can ask us anything. Maybe. One day. Do a live show. I would love that. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be fun. Get uh, things going. That'd be so much fun. I think about that a lot. Gotta hit up Gen Con for 2022. Hell yeah. righty. So, we have... A bunch of questions now to answer, not just three or four. There are 16 of them, and we will answer a good chunk of them. If we skip your question, we apologize. Some of them, obviously, I, myself, as well as Evan and Patrick will not be able to answer because we do not believe in spoilers, and some of these questions will be answered later on down the line. But it will be answered later. These are questions asked on our Discord, Hands of the Rose, by the way. Yes. If you would like to come follow us, our link tree that has all of our links can be found on our Twitter at Writer's Room 7th. That's the number 7, T-H. We have a link to all of our other platforms that we use, including our Discord. So come find us. And if you've got questions that you want to ask and get answered, we might answer them. We might not. We'll see. I'll probably answer them. Point in fact, our link tree is also in the description of each posted episode on whichever platform that you listen on. Also, also before I forget, this volume of Notes for the Narrators will contain current spoilers up to where we are. And potentially we might hit spoiler territory. We don't know yet, but just keep in mind that normally Notes for the Narrator doesn't usually include spoilers. Yes. This one, we're just going to slap uh, a spoiler warning in the beginning. Just big giant one. So if you don't want to be spoiled about literally anything and or potentially everything. Up to Article 12. Yeah. So spoilers. Okay. So what do I want to start with? That is the question is what should I start with? We could start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. It is, as I scroll up and see the very first question, which is asked by Via Virtus. It's a Boots-specific question, which is an NPC. If none of you remember, he's the cook on La Rosa Blanca. Mm -hmm. Oh, I remember him. And he asks, Boots, my ship's cook needs to know, when cooking tortoise, do you recommend splitting the shell before or after the halfway point? Boots, what do you got for us? <clears throat> I have to remember how to do my invest in Manavanyar accent. 
<laughs> well, it's much easier if you do it at the halfway point. Not before, not after. Once the tortoise actually turns in the pot, that's when you know you have to split the shell. Additionally, have you got any good recipes for boiling boot leather? No, unfortunately, I don't. You just throw it in the water for God knows how many hours. I would typically probably say if you want to boil your boot leather, boil the water first. Mm. It's a good place to start. Yep. Make sure you have it at the desired shape because boiling the leather is going to harden it. And then don't burn your hands, but do it by feel. When it feels like it's gotten to a good stiffening point, but not too stiff, you want to bring that out and then it will harden as it dries. Adversely, you could also stick it in the oven for about two and a half hours at 375 degrees Fahrenheit. And I would say about every half an hour, maybe flip it, get it in a nice one of those like turkey trays, get some marinade in there. Absolutely. Marinade for at least half a day beforehand if you want it fully soaked through. Yeah. And then just, you know, flip it get the temperature, the thermometer, check it every 30 minutes when you flip it. You want that nice golden brown layering on the top. Exactly. I prefer an Asian sesame balsamic vinaigrette, but obviously you can do whatever you would like. And Italian is also very good. At I'm a big fan of the balsamic vinaigrette. That's my go-to. Mm -hmm. A little bit of olive oil and some salt and pepper goes a long way. <laughs> and you were worried we would have we wouldn't have a long enough time for answering these questions. I was so wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. I will never doubt myself again or you two. Daddy made me your favorite open wide. Here comes the content. <laughs> yeah. All right, on to the next question. Again by Avertus. Jesse's wind effect. Is that a narrative flourish or the semi-mythical Wind Mowu from Pirate Nations, page 170? For those who are not familiar with Mowu, it is a sorcery specifically for pirates based off of magical tattoos. This one specifically that he is referring to is only mentioned. It's not actually detailed, such as the Crab Mowu or the Anchor Mowu, but... Evan, that is a question specifically towards you and I. Yes. It is neither, in fact. There are narrative flourishes that I can do with it, but it is something that comes from Jesse's gift from the Devil Jonah, his hand. Zoe and I are designing it off of, I believe... The Sanderis magic. Yeah, Sanderis magic. Choosing four directions... The cardinal directions of the compass rose, obviously north, south, east, and west. Jesse so far has the gift of the east wind, which is wind magic, essentially. He can pull storms. He can cause a distraction with a bolt of lightning or a clap of thunder, as well as he can pull a like a sharp updraft to either prevent it from falling or something that might be coming up real soon. And then the other directions are different elements that are also coming up and that we're still working on. But you'll find out about very soon. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. And then Via Virtus also asked, the show has a Spotify playlist, but do Jesse and Wayland and do I? Patrick went ahead and made a new sub-channel in the Discord 
underneath the white rose called Seventh Shanties, where they have posted their playlist. So if we have any more playlists, and if you guys have any playlists that you want to share, please do in Seventh Shanties. I haven't made one for Jesse just yet. It's funny because I don't spend a lot of time with playlists. I have a playlist for one of my other D&D characters. I don't use it when I'm listening to music, either in a separate game, separate from this, because we have music going with Groovy. It's called Plugin. But normally I'm listening to random playlists on YouTube for like fantasy music or on Spotify for the same thing. So I don't have one for Jesse yet, but I do have at least one song that I actually listened to earlier today by Kaleo. Zoe and I talked about this a while ago when the album first came out. Is it Way Down We Go? No, it is not. No. On Kaleo's last album, uh, April 23rd, 2021, it's called Surface Sounds. The very, very last song on the album is called Into My Mother's Arms, and it is so good. Hell yes. That is certainly one of the songs that I would put on his playlist. There are a handful of others that I'm still toying around with, but that one, that one for sure. Also, Evan introduced me to the Scandinavian song that he sings, and it's fucking... Chef's Kiss, okay? No, I don't have a playlist just yet, but I will start working on one. I spend more of my time working on Hero Forge minis. That is entirely fair. I do, ironically, as a musician, but I'll get there. (laughs) Are you sleeping or are you creating Hero Forge minis is sort of the ultimate question. The answer is always creating Hero Forge minis. Yeah, who, who is sleep? Who is she? For me, as far as playlists goes, I really enjoy making playlists for my characters. I will do the same thing that Evan does, where I actually have a number of atmospheric Spotify playlists that are specifically geared towards tabletop roleplay. There are a couple that I use specifically for 7C sometimes, but we usually do have our own internal playlist for episodes to get the atmosphere right for whatever we're going for. I also just enjoy compiling playlists for my characters just to kind of get a feel for their personality as I'm getting into character going into a session. I think that's part of the reason why I haven't made one yet is because we have both the show playlist and we just have Groovy, which I think... Does Groovy use that playlist? Groovy does. For those who are not familiar, Groovy is a bot that you can add to Discord. And all I have to do is go into Spotify, share a link, and play it in the Discord. And it will just play it. And I can loop the track, and I can pause it, and I can do all sorts of stuff. So that's why. Which brings me to me, I guess. I have many playlists, specifically for 7C. And the way how I have done this podcast is... All of the music that you listen to, all of the ones in the archive that I have linked, I have gotten permission to use. So you'll be able to hear it regardless. What Evan and Patrick hear is what you all hear. I try really hard not to play music that I wouldn't be able to play on the podcast. I also have different playlists for each season, meaning that if this is season one and we go into season two, I'll have an entirely different playlist going into that season just because it's a different genre maybe different feel and i have a generic playlist of dark music happy music tones to strike yeah i have more like environmental and like situational stuff so i'll have like tavern 
combat playlist and just like a town playlist. Yeah, same. And I also have list of NPC themes. Each different NPC that you hear on screen when they have background time has a different song for them. Love that. That's awesome. We have a handful of questions coming up that come from my lovely partner, Maddie. She's asked a handful of questions in the Discord. She has asked me most of these questions, if not all of them. And I have sent her to the Discord to ask them instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Because she'll definitely get answers if she does it that way. <laughs> yes. So I can't hide there. Her very first question is, how did Cosette lose her leg? Now, for those listening, if you haven't noticed... Cosette has a peg leg, and it has been revealed as of Article 10 that that peg leg hides a blunderbuss. Because I don't believe in spoilers, I am not allowed to answer this question. Evan and Patrick also don't know how Cosette lost her leg. It will be revealed in game. Fun fact, we have a ridiculous backlog because we record our episodes every other week. And we started recording long before we decided to put this into a podcast format. And the episodes won't be released that we've already recorded, won't be released until January. Yeah, we're not even playing Jesse and Wayland anymore. They're totally dead. We're on our, <laughs> we're on our fourth sets of characters at this point. Uh, this is our fifth campaign, which is weird because we only have four sets of characters. <laughs> There was this time where we just completely blacked out. We actually have no memory of that campaign, only a whispering voice in our head. Yeah, I moved to Florida. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Uh, anyway, unfortunately, I won't be able to answer that question yet. Her next question is for Wayland specifically. Let me rephrase that. It's for Patrick who plays Wayland. Because yeah, I don't know that I can answer this in character. <laughs> Why does Wayland feel the need to kill the entire crew of his ATC ship? Yeah, Wayland, what the fuck? Why is that the plan that he and Audra end with? Did they even talk to anyone else in the ship before deciding to go John Wick on everyone? And we're not talking about the creator of the game. We're actually talking about the other John Wick. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, whenever we refer to John Wick, I always pause and say, no, not that John Wick. Referring to the creator of 70, as well as many other amazing games. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm going to answer the second part of the question first. Why was that the plan for him and Audra? It wasn't. It was never the plan. It was never going to be the plan. It was fully a moment of unbridled rage and anger. And we will actually go into that in a later question as far as why that was a problem. When Wayland saw what the cargo of the bulwark was. He went into a deep visceral rage and was a storm that could not be stopped. And Audra just at some point had Waylon facing down 15 guns in front of them as they slaughtered their way through the ship and was just like, well, we either die here or we kill everybody. What's it gonna be? And they chose the latter option. It was definitely one of those situations in which Wayland came across a ATC officer or some such and just pulled the gun and shot him. And it's at that moment where it's like, well, I can either die or we can just continue with this 
plan and hopefully something good comes of it. Yeah. The second part of the question was, did they talk to anybody else on board the ship before deciding to kill everybody? I think what Wayland would have done was they would have gone up to the lowest ranking crew on the ship. The lowest ranking would be cabin kids and they're not even ranked officers. They're just helping hands. Yeah. I don't know that they would have been like actual children on, well, maybe, who knows? You're funny. If you are able and willing, you can be hired on a pirate ship or any kind of sailing vessel at the tender age of 13. Waylon would have gone to the lowest ranking member on the ship, which would have been the cabin kids, would have asked them if they knew what the cargo was. I don't imagine that Wayland would have killed any of the kids. Yeah, would, did you just fucking Anakin and kill all the younglings? Like, no, I think <laughs> anyone who couldn't have made a decision for themselves, whether or not that they were okay with this, was put on the ships with all of the captives and sent away from the bulwark before it was sank. As far as why, why Wayland was sent into that rage, you will find out. Not even Evan knows that yet. All right, so next question. The next question is for you, Zoe, also from Natty. That is, in 7th C, do Fae live by specific creeds to get their magic, like in the White Wolf system? And does Wayland have one, like beyond his knighthood? How does he do that anyway? Is it wizard, warlock, or sorcerer style? In D&D terms, of course. So, I am familiar with White Wolf systems in the barest sense when I was 13, I rolled a werewolf character and had one session, and that was it. That was a very long time ago. The Fae don't live by specific creeds. They are created to serve a purpose for a role. So there are two courts, Seely and Unseely, which, if we want to break it down into elements, there's air and darkness and fire and light. And I actually am pulling very heavily from the Dresden novels as far as Fae are concerned. They work off of deals and promises. You can get something from them, but they are very tricksy about getting it and will literally do anything they can to keep to themselves kind of deal. Shade is a Seely Fae. So they are of the light side, even though they exist in shadows. I don't really like putting restrictions on them, per se. Even though they're seely, they can work in shadows. It doesn't inherently mean that, oh, I have to be an unseely fae in order to work with darkness and shadows. No, that's not really how it goes. There is no fae in existence that does not have a purpose or a reason to be. And Wayland, you have an oath. I do. It's a Gesa. Do we want to go over how that works first and lead into what exactly the Knight's Gesa is? The Knights of Avalon are based off of the Arthurian Knights. So Arthur Pendragon, Lancelot, Galahad, Guinevere, Gawain. All of them serve a role and they are these ancient warrior, protector, healer embodiments. They are long dead, as in like the first ones that existed are long dead. But their spirit persists, and that spirit can be taken on by anyone. It doesn't have to necessarily be 
someone specifically from Avalon or the Highland Marches or Innismore. Avalon is England, Highland Marches, Scotland, and Innismore is Ireland. Yep. Whenever Wayland refers to the Glamour Isles, that encompasses all three of them. The whole thing. So that would be the United Kingdom, essentially. Yeah, that would be definitely not the UK. So in order to take on this mantle, which is what it's called, when you have one of these spirits, you have to follow a code. It's like any knighthood. There is a chivalric code that you need to follow. Now, it is not to the letter. It is different for every single knight. It is up for interpretation. It is to the interpretation of that knight. So you can have some nefarious knights who are abiding by their own code. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good moral code for everyone else. For instance, the Knights Gesa specifically, and this holds to every single one of the Knights of the Grail, are never raise your sword against a countryman, never abandon the fight before it is through, never break your word or help someone else break theirs, never be idle when there is work to be done, never let your passions rule you. That one in particular, <clears throat> you might notice, is a bit of a through line. <laughs> Never take something for yourself that belongs to another, which is, again, up for interpretation because pirates, you know, kind of thing that we do. And always serve the grail. Wayland has broken. Never break your word or help someone else break theirs. And never let your passions rule you. Those were the two that he broke that he needed to make amends to Paga for. This holds true for every knight. If they break one of the geysas, there needs to be atonement. And that atonement could show up in the form of their knightly spirit leaving them to possess someone else, like how Shade did, or in the form of trials, tribulations, or in the form of literally anything. It is so open-ended that I could have done anything to show Wayland that he had broken his Gesa and he therefore needed to atone with it. I decided to use a literal sense of, you no longer have your mantle, this person is taking it, and we get a little bit of backstory as to why his mantle is so odd. Even in the book, it's unknown. No one knows who or what. The only thing canonically is that their name was carved in the round table, in Elioth's table. Which is nice, because it left it up for us to be able to decide what we wanted it to be in our canon. Now, if you have a player who is going to be using Paga as their knight's mantle in your game, Paga's story could be very different. Paga could have been a spy or a traitor. It is entirely up for you. For us, Paga was a loyal knight. Who happened to be on the enemy side. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough. Strange how that seemed to correlate to... I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I have no idea what you're talking about at all. What? what there parallels? I don't know what parallels. <laughs> it's all very Legend of Zelda, isn't it? As far as, like, Link being reincarnated, but it's never the same Link. They are still all their own people, but they are still the hero. But it's not a reincarnation, per se. Yeah, something like that. So the last part of the question, is it wizard, warlock, or sorcerer style in D&D terms? As long as you have a hero point to spend, you can use your sorcery. You can use your sorcery without a hero point, but it does some terrible things. Not only narratively, but systematically as well. 
especially for the night magic. You can ask for a power that you don't have and use it, but then you're tied to a fey. Then you owe a favor. Anything in the book that you want to use from Paga that you don't have or any other knight that you don't have, you can ask for it and you can do it, but you're going to owe someone or something a favor. Oh, dear. I want to piggyback off of that real quick. Jesse would technically be considered a warlock because of the gift that he was given from Jonah. I guess Wayland would be a paladin. Yes, definitely a paladin. You gotta start leaning towards other characters, buddy. <laughs> you just okay. My first character was a paladin. My second character was a bard. Paula Wayland, who shush your face. Moving on from there, another question by Maddie: How does Luciana live on the ocean if hummingbirds eat nectar and sugar water? I can answer that one. Is a fantasy pirate game. <laughs> <laughs> she is magic. She's special. She's so. She's so cool. Also, we've learned some shit about Luciana recently. <laughs> yes. And as to how old is she? Big, big question mark. We have yet to determine that in-game as well as outside of game. Fantasy bird age. That FBA. Yeah, she signed an NDA for her FBA. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the role that we had at the very beginning of the game? Lucy will never be touched. Ever. She has plot immunity, unless I say so. Otherwise, I am the only one that can put that into motion. And if I approve it. And I won't, because she's a sweetheart. We love our mascot. Okay. <laughs> Which brings me to a good little stepping stone off of that. There are some things in the game you will never see, because I am uncomfortable running them. I'm uncomfortable talking about them normally. So nothing will happen to this hummingbird, ever. Or any other animal in the game. Just so you know. You're facing down a cavalry. Well, the soldiers are dead, but the horse has got away somehow. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> exactly how that would go. Yes. And that angry-looking grizzly bear is coming at you. <laughs> It'd be a shame if it just turned around and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next question is, do any of the crewmates have partners or children? Oh. I don't know if we should answer this. In depth? I have a headcanon. We can talk about headcanons, absolutely. Go ahead. I feel like Roz is divorced. Okay. Okay. I feel like Roz was in a relationship in the past, and for some reason, she just didn't mesh well with his energy and his personality and the fact that he wanted to become a pirate. And she was like, sorry, pal. I don't think I can do this. Pirate's life is not for Pirate's life is not for mm. <laughs> yo ho yo ho a pirate <laughs> not for me <laughs> oh, would you say he felt tied down in that relationship i'm gonna take this whole thing of water i'm gonna find <laughs> some fish i'm gonna put some salt in it and i'm gonna dump it down your shirt and your pants choked on my fucking chicken guys I'm going to drown your Gundams. No, oh, that's that's a step too far. That is a step too far. You have crossed a line. You have absolutely crossed a line, sir. How very dare you. It's fine. They're, water, they're watertight. Better hope that they're, they're sealed. I mean, they're, they're made of plastic. Dump them in water. I'll just repanel line them. It's fine. They don't exactly have electronics in them. So, Should we answer this question? Ah. Because there is backstory stuff 
we created the crew together and there is backstory stuff that I have hidden from you. We could probably be generally vague. Yeah. Just to say who has partners, who doesn't. We have, I believe, collectively adopted Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yes. I think the entirety of the crew, maybe Jesse in particular, and then Wayland is sort of coming into that other dad aspect. Mm. Second dad. It's fine. Charlotte, Agnes, and Jory, I think all are, are our kids. Adopted. I think the oldest is Jory at 18. I think he's 19. Mm-hmm. Hasn't had his birthday yet. Oh, we got to do Jory's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Fantastic. Klaus and Boots being the oldest crew members at 52. And I can say that they do have partners and one of them has children. Oh, I think it's Beric. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, I can see Boots having kids. Roz is 42? Hmm? Cheapers. Damn. Mama Coco's 45. We got an old-ass crew. What the hell? Let's flush them out and get some new blood. Charles is 34. Ursa is unknown. Yeah, that could be a thousand. You have no fucking idea how old she is. My girl. My girl. Cosette is 23. Hell yeah. Love Cosette. And then we've got Jory at 18, Agnes at 17. So. Another question asked later on. This is a good segue. This was asked by Shire Caulfield, also on our Discord. How old are Jesse and Wayland? You answer that first as I get Wayland's character sheet and try to remember. I have on my character sheet, I have written down 32 for some reason, I thought he was 33, but currently he's 32. I don't think we've passed his birthday yet. I don't even really know when his birthday is. I also don't know when Waylon's birthday is, but he is currently 28 years old. So there's about a four-year difference between them, which is ironic because I'm 26. And I am 29. Pat's like 45. He's way up there. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. Oh, ow. Oof. It's okay. Zoe is as old as time. I am an ancient crumbling temple. This is true. Well, I mean, not the crumbling part. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I'm like I'm like four. You guys are working with a child. I am a, I am a child that feels like a crumbling temple. <laughs> you are also not a child. What's your face? Sorry, an adolescent. <laughs> You're past 25. That's usually my, like, stop. Get- Something happens at 25, man. Where you just... Hey, your insurance lowers. <laughs> <laughs> I meant that you hit a point of maturity where something in your brain clicks and your views on your like how you view the world shifts and you kind of become who you are a little bit. Yeah, you start maturing like a fine milk. Mmm. Into cheese. Gross. Nope. <laughs> no, okay. Into sadness. Oh, I think boy. I would be a fine gouda of depression. I'm gonna <laughs> kick you from this call, Patrick. <laughs> I have that power. Oh, even better. I have the power to remove a friend. <laughs> oh, oh, I can just remove your friendship. Ow. Oh, my heart. Let's not breathe too hasty here. <laughs> I love you, Patrick. I love you too. Yes. So I can go ahead and say that Mama Coco does not have a partner, does not have children. Agnes is too young. Jory is too young. Beric has someone. Roz did have somebody. No children. Charles is a loner. 
I think Charles is probably more focused on on providing for his sister really than anything. And also kicking everyone else's asses on the ship. He's busy keeping everybody in line. Yeah. Ursa, big question mark. Who the fuck knows? Klaus has somebody. Luciana, of course, has all of you. <laughs> Hawthorne. They do have someone and they care about them very much. And you want to know who that someone is? The, the Rose. Rose. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ship. And no one else is going to get in their way of their love. Yeah, they're married to their work. I've always kind of looked at Hawthorne as being asexual. That they're they're just not interested. Asexual, a rom- well, maybe not aromantic. They do have a fine romance with the White Rose. They're busy, though. Cosette does not have anybody. I am, uh, <clears throat> for those of you listening, I'm looking at a certain... Boy. And it sure as hell ain't Wayland. <laughs> she does not have anybody, but she certainly fancies someone. Huh. So, what? Interesting. Interesting. Writers, get your pens and quills and pencils and styluses, sty- styli, scribbling. Get going. <laughs> get on it. And then. A really good question. Follow up to that. Why are they on Jesse's ship versus someone else's? Oh, because Jesse's the best. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, come on. Come on now. Maddie. <laughs> but seriously, why did they choose La Rosa Blanca as opposed to any other pirate ship? I'm sure that some of them chose partially due to the name. Hawthorne obviously was the first one to sign up, probably. And others either heard stories about it or heard stories about Jesse and his desire for freedom and his desire for exploration and his love of the sea, the love of the world that he has. They're a very close-knit family, and I think that's pretty evident. If you didn't trust these people, they wouldn't be on your ship. Yeah, yeah, that is for sure. Like people that you had known previously. Yeah. There's some backstory stuff to delve into. Yeah. There were some people that Jesse searched out himself. And we all know how actually surprise question for Patrick. Oh, okay. Surprise round. Surprise lightning round. I'm not prepared. I didn't study. Oh, God. What was Waylon doing at the Bucket of Blood in our session? And did he know that Jesse and the Rose were already there? Waylon did not know. Wayland had had no idea. They were drinking away their sorrows, to be sure. I was told to go to the Bucket of Blood. And I think there were probably a couple days where Wayland went and Jesse wasn't there. Was he waiting for something in particular? He was just told to go to the Bucket of Blood. And he was drinking away his sorrows while he was waiting. Because I was thinking about that, about how, how convenient that was. For him to just be there. Mm-hmm. Had he just shown up a couple days prior to that, if he's been going there every day? I don't know that he was going there every day. How long was he on Aragosta for? Oh, boy. A couple months? I wonder how those days that he went in and Jesse wasn't there. I wonder how those days went. Oh, I can't imagine they went well. Honestly, quietly. I think the way that it probably happened is he would go in when there was no one there where he would just sit in the back full D beginning you meet in a tavern trope there's always that one character who's sitting off in the dark corner 
I don't know if anybody else does this. This is how I do it. If I go somewhere new, I will, especially if there's like a coffee shop or something that I'm starting to frequent, I'll usually like scope it out and like sit in the back and then I'll slowly move forward as I'm like getting to know people and the regulars and everything like that. And I think that that's probably what Waylon did. Yeah. They would just slowly inch forwards until somebody noticed them and were not happy to see their attire. So good segue into that is uh, how did Jesse find out about Waylon's magic? And is he cool with it? Why? We haven't talked about this. We have not. Between session zero and session one, and what I mean by that is the article zero and article one, there are six months of in-game time that Jesse and Wayland have been sailing together with this crew. We didn't actually play that out. No, we did not. We didn't have character sheets at that point. Session Zero. Session Zero was just an introduction of how these two characters met after character creation. I just wanted that scene to establish the meeting. Six months of time that just, who the fuck knows? Six months of time that just, Justin Whalen comic series. Maybe, who knows? And some of that stuff is background stuff that will come up later between the NPCs. Yes. And the characters. And probably stuff that'll come up, that has come up, in whenever we're offering hero points to aid the other. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can draw on that nice big chunk of time. We didn't really want to play the trope of the getting to know you segment. Who are you? I. T- what are you all about? Yeah, doing like the like, oh, we're doing a bunch of jobs and we're slowly getting to know each other as we go. Like, we wanted to jump right into the plot and bring the story right to the forefront. I do think it would have been really cool to start out completely having not knowing each other and like actually really stapling down who they are from the beginning. But we didn't do that. And I still love it regardless. I do think about that, about how different the relationship between them would be, how much stronger it might be. As a GM, I hate doing that yeah game wise it's less fun but like story wise there's meat potatoes there and the reason why i did it is exactly what you guys have talked about so that we can flash back and steal those moments and so pat and i can say an improv stupid comments that become canon (laughs) yeah exactly yep anything that they flash back to is canon knowledge so that's fun it's like oh wait like the time that you wrestled that bear and it's like what? Uh, yeah. Yep. The time of uh, wrestled bear. You were drunk, but you don't remember it. But I do. I was there. <laughs> you had taken half of your pants off. Don't ask I, me what half. Don't ask me which no. half. This <laughs> is a note to the narrator. This doesn't count. <laughs> You're right. Their follow-up question is, how common is magic in this world? It is very common. Very. Fantasy. However, some magics are disliked. Oh, you don't say. It's very common, but not all of them are accepted, is what I will say. Good segue from that is another Fae question. Are all Fae non-binary to give them freedom of expression slash comfort in talking different forms, or is their gender more similar to humans? All Fae are non-binary. Yeah. They choose which pronoun they identify with. And sometimes, if I want to feel really chaotic that day, I will change it up mid-session and be like, oh, they go by he now. In another game I ran, Danielle, who is the ambassador to Faye, who is also a Faye being in the court of Avalon next to Queen Elaine, frequently changes their form from male to female. And when they do, they prefer their pronouns to be male or female. So 
gender fluidity is a thing and we love it. Absolutely. Love it. While we're talking about gender, because I don't think that we've done this yet, do we want to go over how we as, you know, people who are playing the game identify? I am she, her, he, them, it, whatever character I'm playing that day. <laughs> I am every pronoun. But if you're talking to me personally, Zoe, I am she, her. Hey, Evan? Uh, hi, I'm Evan. <laughs> uh, my pronouns are he, him. Jesse's pronouns are he, him. I, Patrick, am he, they. I am non-binary, but I am still comfortable with male pronouns. Wayland is as well. In the earlier episodes... I had been referring to Wayland as he, him. I am now referring to Wayland as he, them. And how would you like me to refer to you? However you damn well please, honestly. My little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Erect nerd. (laughs) This is a Patrick-specific question for Wayland. Currently, this string has all been by Maddie, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Maddie asked plenty of questions. These are all by Maddie. If Wayland wants everyone to believe Samwell is dead, why did he tell the soldiers on that little sandbar that he was Samwell? <laughs> there are a couple other points in that question that explain why it was asked. Fully a red herring. Absolutely fully a red herring to throw people off the trail because you'll notice in that same episode, even Rude does not believe them and also he reveals at the end that it was all a ruse. It was a lie. He was the one who killed Samuel Flint and very clearly and openly stated that to everybody. He doesn't look like Sam Flint anymore as the ATC would have known him. Sam had very short cropped hair, was a bit bulkier and had a very big beard. And Wayland, he's muscular. He is also rather live individual fully shaved face long hair with a purple streak in it tied into a braid looks like a completely different person and to prove that that would be the case i actually made two different hero forge minis one for sam and one for wayland and the only thing that i changed was the beard and the hair and they did not look like the same character at all was even rude jesse's dad Now, if we'll backtrack a little bit to Article 2 and 3, I believe that was revealed. And as a GM, I can go ahead and tip my hand and say, no, Evenrude was not Jesse's father. Evenrude, being an ATC official and soldier, recognized Jesse because he looks pretty much like his mother, Sedona. And he used that knowledge against Jesse to try and get him to his side. Obviously, it didn't work. The follow-up to this question is, how does Jesse know anything concrete about his father? Evan? This is something we also haven't really talked a whole lot about. I feel like Sedona loved him very much, and she had a hard time talking about him, whatever happened to him, because of how much it hurt to talk about him. Jesse learned when he grew up that his father fell off the rose the night that he was born from the storm Hurricane Camilo, which is part of what he is named after. And she's talked to him about his dad, but never said enough for Jesse to have a clear picture in his head, partially because Sedona didn't want Jesse to get attached to a figure that wasn't present, not purposefully, and also 
for Zoe and I personally to be able to figure out what happened, really. We don't know if he's dead. We don't know if he's alive. He didn't die on camera, meaning that anything is possible. Well, that is one of the rules that I hold dear in GMing is that if they do not die on screen, they may not be dead. All right. So this next question comes from the Merry Fool and... They ask, what do the crew think of the relationship between Wayland and Jesse? Mama Coco will answer, they're very good friends. Close to brothers. Maybe, nah. Although they do spend a lot of time together alone. You know what, it's none of my business. And my mama always told me, never get involved in anybody else's business. That's what I got to say. I love Mama Coco so much. Microphone goes to Cosette. Cosette, what do you think of the relationship between Waylon and Jesse? I'm not doing a Cosette accent. I'm not doing French. My French is like Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could do Widowmaker French, but that's not happening. Of the people on the crew that have jobs to do and would be useful out in the field, so to speak, it's like having a bodyguard with you, except your bodyguard just so happens to be a really close friend. Which, let's face it, a lot of the times, I feel like that's kind of the case. Jesse hired him not only to take care of the weapons, the small arms on the ship, but because he's a great shot. And because he's an interesting guy. And is envious? Jealous? Maybe? <laughs> a little jealous, let's be honest. <laughs> Waylon spends a lot more quality alone time with the captain than Cosette maybe would like. <clears throat> what does Charles think about the relationship between Waylon and Jesse? Right, now I know Cosette probably says some shit about Waylon protecting Jesse, and that's all right and fine. Waylon's a hot mess of a person, and I honestly think that the captain taking a special interest in him is probably for the best. Needs a guiding hand in their life, honestly. It's great that they've become good friends, I think throughout the entirety of their time together. Um, and I think that's sort of a natural progression of things that happen. But frankly, it's just a good influence. Am I doing Australian? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> so, so good. Uh, all right. Uh, that'll be my next character then. It started out very cockney and then it just like swam, started swimming down under. <laughs> well, I failed at the cockney accent. I can do... So many different accents. British is the one that I have the hardest time with. It's so hard. I don't know why. I spent five years role-playing a guy with an English accent. I'm very used to it. <laughs> Fair enough. Do Jesse and Waylon slash Evan and Patrick know any sailing sayings? I used to sail when I was a kid and when I was growing up, and I loved it very, very much. And then I developed horrendous motion sickness while on the sea. Unless I am in a tiny, itty-bitty little boat, like a 420 or a laser or a sunfish. If you are a sailor, you know what I'm talking about. Those are all different kinds of single-person or two-person boats. Or opties, which are literally bathtubs that you stick a sail in and then you just go. You're familiar with nautical terms. Yeah. My familiarity actually comes from Guess Again's example uh, Red Sky at night, Sailor's Delight. Red Sky in the morning, Sailor's Take Warning. I learned about that years and years and years ago through a dispatch song called Steeples. And 
It's a sailing song. There's a line in the second verse. The red sky at night, sailors take delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. And I heard about that. I was like, I want to know what that is. That sounds cool. And I looked it up. And I, like Jesse, am a big fan of nature and a big fan of appreciating the beauty of the world. So I look up in the sky a lot just to look at it because it's real pretty. Whenever I notice the sky is a different color, either in the morning or at night, then I either am concerned or comforted, depending on what I see. That's the only one that I know, unfortunately, even though that I grew up in an oceanside town. Oops. Didn't have enough money to sail as a kid. It's 100% fine. But I went canoeing and kayaking <laughs> and whitewater rafting. I did that a lot. They also did not have a whole lot of money to sail as a kid. There was a very affordable little like sailing school, quote unquote, heavy quotations. It was like a camp, but like a year round camp. There are some more questions. However, we have run out of time, unfortunately. We'll just have to have another volume. Oh, no. I'm going to have to call you guys back in and we're going to have to answer more questions. You mean as the episodes go on, people should continue posting questions in the Discord under the notes with the narrator queries? It's almost like there are more things that are going to happen that these people are going to want answers for. Like, gasp. These people are our friends, damn it. They are our friends. Friends, keep asking your questions no matter what they pertain to, whether it's the in-game mechanics, whether it's in-game narrative, whether you want to ask an NPC a question, whether you want to ask Evan or Patrick or subsequently Jesse or Wayland, if you want to ask the GM questions, ask us anything and we will answer it in the next Notes with the Narrator. Until then, we'll see you soon. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, everybody. Bye. And as always, be safe and well.